We're calling this series Up, Staying Up When Things Are Down. And today we're going to talk specifically about becoming optimistic. If you look at a little guy like Ezra with all of his challenges and still nevertheless he is so optimistic, I think that gives you and I hope that no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're challenged by, you and I can be optimistic as well. I'm very, very excited about getting into this message with you. See, the reality is that you and I are currently in the midst of a pandemic, the coronavirus. And that's all we hear in the news. It's, uh, it has totally changed our nation, our world, in a lot of different ways. And we have never seen anything like it ever, unless you're like 100 years plus going back to the Spanish flu or something. So I doubt that you've ever seen anything like this before. Now, the pandemic this pandemic is eventually going to be over. Can you just say, thank God for that? Thank God. This is not forever. It is going to be over. But here's a reality. You and I, for the rest of our lives, we are going to deal not with the pandemic or the coronavirus, but forever you and I are going to be faced, we're going to be confronted by an epidemic of negativity. That's going to happen. Knowing that, how do you and I respond? What should you and I do in regards to that? And here's what I would say to you and say to me, what we need to do is we need to determine right up front, right now, nail it down, that we we will not allow ourselves to get sucked into this vortex of neg negativity that is everywhere present all around us, and it's going to be that way uh, forever, that we're not going to get sucked into negativity or into discouragement, that we're not going to become cynical people. We're not going to become critical people. We're not going to be ungrateful. And we talked about gratitude last week. We're not going to be pessimists. We're going to be optimistic. Uh, like Ezra, we may be faced with challenges, not the challenges that he had, but nevertheless, we're going to be optimistic. Now, if you happen to have missed part one last week, you can go back and watch that on demand. But as I mentioned to you, today I want us to talk about becoming optimistic. And to launch us into this crucial matter, I want us to go in just a moment to the Proverbs. I want you to see a verse with me. In fact, I want you to read the verse with me. But before we read that verse together, would you agree that some people are just naturally optimistic? They're, that's just who they are. That's sort of how they're wired. That's how they, they live their lives. They are optimistic. It just seems naturally they're optimistic people. Contrasting that, have you also noticed that some people, by nature, they're just pessimistic. They, they just seem to always be that way. Please listen closely to what I'm about to say. If you are looking for reasons, and I hope you are, if you are looking for reasons why that you can be optimistic, then let me just say this to you. You're going to find those reasons. If you say, I want to be an optimistic person, that's what we're talking about today, and you're going to see it in Romans chapter 8, then you are going to find ways, you're going to find reasons for you to become optimistic. That is equally true if you just say, that's not for me. I just want to be a pessimist. I always want to be a pessimistic kind of person. Well, you can certainly find reasons for that as well because reasons for being pessimistic are also abound. But you get to choose. That's the beauty of it. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you're going to be an optimistic person 
or you're going to be a pessimistic person. I mentioned this verse from Proverbs. I want you to read it out loud. Yeah, I know you're at home. I know you're sitting there. You're like, Jeff, you can't even hear. I know, but there's something powerful that happens when we say the Word of God and we hear the Word of God. So I want you to look at this verse with me. It's our launching point, and then we'll go to Romans 8. But let's all read it together. Look at this verse with me. You ready? Let's read it aloud. If you search for good, or if you search for reasons to be positive or optimistic, if you search for good, guess what's going to happen? You will find favor. But if you search for evil, guess what's going to happen? It will find you. And that's just a great verse to remind us. If we're looking to be optimistic, we're going to find reasons to be optimistic. If we're looking to be a pessimist, then guess what? We're going to find reasons for that as well. I hope you're ready. I've been so excited about this message uh, since the time I finished writing it, and I want you to get your notepad ready. Uh, I want you to get your iPad or your tablet, whatever you're going to take notes on, because what I'm going to do in the next few moments, and I know how much time I have, and you may not think I can share eight reasons to be optimistic, but in the time that we have remaining, I can give you, and I'm going to talk quick. Can you listen quick? And you're like, Jeff, I know. You may know that I'm from Georgia, but listen, even though I'm from Georgia, I can talk quick. I'm telling you I can, and I plan on doing that, but I want to give you from Romans chapter eight, eight reasons why you and I can be optimistic. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Reason number one, why can you and I be optimistic? I'll give you the first reasons. This is uh, first reason. This is right out of Romans chapter eight. We can be optimistic. Listen to this now, because our sins are forgiven and we are not condemned. Let me say that again. You can be optimistic. I can be optimistic because our sins are forgiven and we are not condemned. Let me ask you a question. It's a question that I need to ask myself. Just ask yourself right there where you're at. Just say, asking it, am I guilty? And the answer for you is the same thing that is the answer for me. And, and that is, yes, obviously, we're guilty. Unless you're perfect, and I know I'm not, and I doubt you are either. Unless we're perfect, we're all guilty. And do we deserve to be penalized? Absolutely, we deserve to be penalized. Do we deserve, based on how, uh, you know, some of the things that we've done over the course of our life, how we've lived our, our life, and maybe you've chosen at certain points of your life to live independent of God, do we deserve to be penalized? Do we deserve to be condemned? And, and the answer to that is, yes, we do. Now, I like football. I, I just do. If you know me, you know I like football. I, I, I like college football even more so than pro football, although I like it as well. And we don't know how the season's going to play out and what's going to start. But nevertheless, let me just give you this example. In, in, in football, if you're familiar with how the game is played, and more specifically in this context, the penalties, you know that there are, are like minor infractions and there are more major ones. I'll just give you an example. If you are offsides, the referee is going to call you for offsides. Either you've jumped, you're on the offensive side or the defensive side. Offsides, penalty, flag is thrown. That's a five-yard penalty. It's, it's minor. It's a penalty. Uh, the player on that team has done wrong. It's a penalty. It's not as major as some of the other. Now, 
ratchet that up a little bit if there is a block in the back. Now, that's a more serious penalty, and there are more serious consequences in terms of yardage. So it's not going to be five yards. It's going to be greater than five yards. Now, take that a step further. Uh, If there is a targeting call, an obvious targeting call, well, you know what happens there. If it's proved to be legitimate and they go back and replay that, then here's the penalty for a targeting call. You get thrown out of the game. It's way bigger than offsides, five yards. You get thrown out of the game. Now, why do I mention that? Because in reality, all of us deserve, you do, I do, we deserve to be thrown out of the game. We deserve to be penalized, to just pushed outside of the family of God. That's what we deserve. That's not what we've received, but it's what we deserve. Now, here's why you and I can be so totally optimistic. Optimistic, And I want you to get this. I want you to hear this. You and I can be optimistic because one day when you and I stand before God, if we've received Jesus, if we've received His grace and forgiveness, when we stand before God, I want you to get this now. This is why we can be so amazingly optimistic. Is when we stand before God, He is not going to see a huge mound of all of the sins that you and I have ever committed in our entire life. What He is going to see is He's going to see the sacrifice that His Son, Jesus, made for us so that we can stand before Him clean and righteous and pure in His sight. Why can we we be optimistic. Paul in Romans chapter 8 tells us that because our sins are forgiven and because we are not condemned, you and I can be optimistic. Secondly, number two, I'm going to give you a second reason. You ready for this one? Why you and I can be optimistic. Here it is, because Jesus himself is praying for us. Did you know that? Jesus is praying for us. I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to think of the one or two people that are like the best Christians that you know. They're like the best. I mean, you've always admired and respected their walk with God. I want you to think about them for just a moment. I mentioned last uh, week that I have all of these great uncles, and I really do. I mentioned my Uncle Bill Ivey uh, last week. My Uncle Bill Rhodes, he's, he's like the best Christian that I know. And I can remember as a teenager just saying, I really, I really want to be as good of a Christian as my Uncle Bill, just authentic, real, in, in every way. I can remember feeling that as a teenager. Can I just tell you, I, I still feel that. Now I'm over, I'm over 30. All right, I'm over 42. I know some of you want me to keep going, but, but cut me some slack, will you? Cut me a break. The reality is, still to this day, I just look at my Uncle Bill, and I just say, you know, he's such a great Christian. Uh, There's so many of us that could learn from the model uh, of the Christ-like life that he exemplifies. Now, I think of my Uncle Bill, and there's others in my family that I could equally name, but uh, who do you think about? Now, when somebody that you really respect their walk with God, you just know they're a great, great Christian, how does it make you feel when they say, I'm praying for you? that makes you feel incredible, doesn't it? When they say, I'm praying for you, that is an absolutely incredible feeling. And to just know that they're praying for you. Well, I've got great news for you. Jesus is praying for you. 
Jesus is praying for you. Now, I skipped over a verse that I should have read a a moment ago. You can go back and put that in your notes. The verse that I skipped over was actually uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2. You can put that in your notes. But this verse, Romans 8, 34, is a verse that I want you to take a look at right here on the screen. Romans 8, 34. Look at this with me. Christ Jesus, who died, who died for us, more than that, who not only died but was raised to life, Look at this next part. This is so exciting. This is why you can be optimistic. He is at the right hand of God and is also, look at this now, interceding or praying for us. Jesus is praying for you. That is the great news that you and I have, that Jesus is at the right hand of God and he has God's ear and he is praying for you. Uh, To continue the good news, he knows who you are. He knows every detail about your life. He knows what you need. He knows what you feel. He knows what's going on in your life. Jesus is praying for you and Jesus is powerful. Thirdly, Another reason why you and I can be optimistic. Number three, be sure you get it in your notes. Because our present problems in agony cannot even begin to compare to the future glory awaiting us. I know that's a lot of information, but let me give it to you again. Thirdly, we can be optimistic because our present problems and the agony that we face cannot even begin to compare to the future glory awaiting us. Here's another verse. This is all in Romans uh, chapter 8. Look at verse 18 with me. Look at this here on the screen. I consider, this is still Paul, I consider that what we suffer at this present time, no matter what you're going through right here, right now in your life, in your family, in your career, I consider that what we suffer at this present time cannot be compared at all with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. That's what Paul says. Now, Paul in his own life, and I won't take the time, don't have the time to talk about Paul's life, but I'll just tell you that he experienced pain and persecution and problems, the lights of which most all of us will never even know, could never even compare with. Paul didn't have an easy life. But I suspect that you wouldn't use easy to be descriptive of your life either. Maybe there's pressure in your life right now. Maybe there's pressure in your finances. Maybe there's pressure in your home. Maybe it's with your kids, or maybe it's with your parents, or maybe it's with your your marriage. Maybe, maybe it's pressure that you're faced with right now in your health. Maybe it's pressure that you have going on in your job in the workplace, or maybe it's because you don't have a job right now, and uh, it's just pressure. Uh, I, I love being a dad. A lot of you that know me know that, and uh, I love at this point in my life because of the age of, uh, of our kids uh, that it's, it's no longer discipline. This is not a discipline time. It's now a time because of their age. Uh, discipline is gone, and, and influence and coaching is welcome. This past week, I had an opportunity to, to talk to one of my kids, and, and they called me, and they just shared with me a stressful day that they were having at work, and I listened to that, obviously. Of course, I want to listen to that, And then afterwards, I just encouraged them to look beyond this day. Yeah, this is a stressful day, I said. This is a stressful day, but if you could just deal with today, this day is going to have an end to it, I said to them. This day is going to have an end to it. It's not a good day, and it's a stressful day, and and you don't want to repeat this day again and again. But if you could just get past today, and you can look to the next day or the next week, 
And the reason that I mention that, that is so true in our own lives. Can I just encourage you, please hear me when I say this, can I just encourage you to look beyond the grind of today, look beyond the grind of today to the glory that God has awaiting you. You see, friends, this world is, is often a painful place. You don't need me to tell you that. You know that. This world is often a painful place, but I want to remind you that heaven will forever be a perfect place and you and I can look beyond the pain and the problems and the challenges that we face right now and we can be optimistic because the glory that is awaiting us. Reason number four. Reason number four why we can be optimistic and it is this. It is because our mind can be filled with God's peace. Our minds can be filled with God's peace. I want you to look at verse 6. Again, still here in Romans 8. Letting your sinful nature, Paul says, control your mind, it leads to death. But look at this next phrase, this highlighted phrase. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You and I can be optimistic because our mind can be filled with God's peace. I read just recently that we have, on average, about 4,000 thoughts each day that come in and out of our mind. Can you imagine that? About 4,000 thoughts that come into our mind and go out of our mind every single day. And some of you that are like parents or preschoolers, you're like, if I have 4,000, I've got a feeling they must have 12,000 or 16,000. But all of us have these thoughts going in and out of our minds every single day. And I want to just say this. I want to say this to those of you that are already followers of Jesus If you're a follower of Jesus, you already have within your reach the possibility to reach out and take hold of a transformed and a renewed mind, a mind that is filled with peace, and it happens with the Word of God. See, I want to just encourage you, if you're not already doing so, to get into the Word of God. Here's a reality. Your thoughts, if you just sit around and you, you deal with your thoughts, and if I sit around to deal with my thoughts, our thoughts often will lead us to fear and worry. Our thoughts, if we just rehearse things in our mind and we think about something, and the more we think about it, the worse it gets, our thoughts will lead to fear and worry, but God's thoughts will lead to life and peace. And how do we become more and more familiar with God's thoughts? We get into God's Word. May I ask you a question, again, if you're a Christian? Is the peace of God evident in your life? When you're going through stressful times, is the peace of God evident to the people that are around you? Do they look at you and just say, I don't understand it. How is it that they're going through this challenge and yet they can be so at peace? Is the peace of God evident in your life? Is the peace of God filled, uh, filling up your mind? I hope so. If instead the peace of God is not evident and it's absent, I would just ask you, what are you going to do about that? And what step are you going to take? And the step I would encourage you to take is to get into the Word of God. Read God's Word. Become familiar with God's thoughts. His thoughts lead to life and peace. Our thoughts lead us to fear and worry. Let's keep moving. Reason number five. You and I can be optimistic because this is so good. God is for us. God is for us. I want to just say to you right now, God is for you. In case you stepped away from the screen, I want to say it again. God is for you. Look at this verse here on the screen, Romans 8, 31. The B part of that verse, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, 
I, I want to just mention something. Uh, you may not like it, but I'll go ahead and share it with you because it's reality. I hate to tell you this, but not everybody is for you. They're just not. Not everybody is for you. There are people that do not necessarily want you to have peace. There are people that do not necessarily want you to have promotion or to have joy or to have success. There are people that do not necessarily want you to have blessings in your life, you know, spiritual blessings or financial blessings or relational blessings. And uh, that's just reality. I know that you don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about it, but it's true. It's true. I, I sincerely hope Having stated that, that your ego and your emotions can handle that. Not everybody likes you, and that's okay. You've got to learn to live with that. Not everybody is for you, um, and you've got to learn to live with that, manage your life. But I want to just say this. What matters most is that the one who loves you the most is totally for you. Can I say that again? The one who loves you the most, it should matter most, and he, God, is for you. When uh, we started having grandkids, and uh, I've mentioned them, you saw one of them last week, uh, Kenley Landry Brody. They asked, uh, you know, before Kenley was ever born, what would you like to be called? And I instinctively just replied, I'd like to be called Pawpaw. Pawpaw. And some of you are like, well, that's, you know, Pawpaw. I'm not familiar with that. Grandfather, grand. Yeah, Pawpaw. And the reason why is my own papa. I'm, I'm the first of 13 grandchildren on my mother's side. And the person in my life, although I was only seven years old when he passed away, uh, the person in my life, bigger than life, was papa, my mother's father. He's legendary in so many different ways. And I can tell you, he was for me. There was never a doubt. Even though I was seven years old and even younger, I knew that papa was for me. It's funny looking back, and, uh, you know, he ran this large uh, furniture store in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called, some of you are going to say, yeah, this, once you hear the name, sounds like Georgia. It was called the Big Red Furniture Bar. And my Paul was known on the air because he did all of these uh, commercials in the metro Atlanta area. He was known not as Paul. He was known as Cousin Jim of the Big Red Furniture Barn. And he had commercials, and I've since wished that I had access to those commercials. We can't find them anywhere. Nevertheless, when I was down at the big red furniture barn with Cousin Jim, who actually was Paul, I'm just telling you, as a kid, I had the run of the place. I could go anywhere in that big, massive furniture store. I wanted why? Because Paul was for me. I have still to this day a little putter. He loved golf. I love golf. And, and he cut down this little putter. Small. I still have it to this day. I have in my living room right now a roll-top desk that he gave to me before I even knew what a roll-top desk was. And Paul was for me. And there's never a doubt about that. But I've got news for you. There's somebody even greater than Paul, although Paul is pretty major in my life, who is for you, and that is God. And you can be optimistic because God is for you. And I just hope that just resonates with your mind and your spirit, that God is for you. Number six, we can be optimistic because God helps us in our weaknesses. See, every living and breathing person is a bundle of strength and weaknesses. And we're not all the same. You're going to have strengths that I wish I had that I don't have. And, and uh, I'm going to have strengths maybe that 
that you don't have, and, and we have shared strengths and weaknesses. You're going to be weak in areas that I'm not weak in, and I'm going to be weak in areas that uh, you're not necessarily. You may be strong and, and fortified in those areas, but we all have strengths, and we all have weaknesses, and God wants to share his strength with us where we're weak. I want you to look at this verse right here. This is verse 26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Did you know that the Holy Spirit, think about this now, this is going to encourage you. This is going to make you become optimistic if you're not already so. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is constantly at work behind the scenes of your life? And just because you cannot see it does not mean that it is not in existence. Just because you cannot see it, it does not mean that it is missing. Uh, last week I shared with you that, uh, you know, I've just over the years just driven cars into the ground. And I mentioned this Crown Victoria. A lot of you who were with us last week, you remember. I said it was about the length, it seemed, of a small military ship. And I can remember Drew. He's our middle child, Drew. Uh, when he was in elementary school, we were riding down the road one day. And it's just strange about this car. I never had one before since. That the horn, you didn't like mash the horn. It was like on the blinker or turn signal. And you just sort of pushed it in. Some of you may be familiar. I've never seen it before or since. And you wouldn't honk the horn by doing this. You'd just push it in on the other side. And so I, I was just having some fun with Drew. He's just a little kid. And I'm like, all right, Drew. I, I want you to honk the horn while we're driving down the road. And I said, just match right here as you typically would with a horn. And he'd mash and nothing would happen. And he'd be like frustrated. Horn went honk. And I'd say, well, let me show you how to do it. And uh, he couldn't see that over here with this hand, I was mashing the horn by pushing in. And I'd just barely touch it. And, and he'd get so frustrated with that. And I say, okay, your turn. You, you honk it. You just saw Dad honk the horn. You can honk the horn. And he would mash harder and harder, and he was getting more frustrated. I'd like, true, just mash the horn. And I'd just barely touch it, and just he couldn't see it, but I was pushing the horn with his hand. I was, I was doing something he couldn't even see. Finally, he's just, I'm like, true, come on, you're not, you're not pushing. And so finally, as hard as he could, with all of his mind, he pushed on that horn. And I said, I don't know what you're doing, but that horn is so easy to honk. And I just said, let me show you, Drew. And I just pretended that I blew on the steering wheel, just, and the whole time I'm honking the horn. He's like, just frustrated. The reason I mention that is quietly behind your life, God is pushing the buttons, and you can't even see it. You may not even see the times that God is protecting you, the times that God is providing you, providing for you, the times that God is, is comforting you, the times when God is convicting you of sin and me of sin. And that's a good thing for us because it proves that God loves us. We can't see sometimes when God, in the area where we're the weakness, that God is manifesting his strength. You and I can be optimistic because God helps us in our weaknesses. Now, let me quickly share with you the last two, number seven and number eight. Again, this is out of Romans chapter eight. We can be optimistic because God is working for our good. Would you just sort of embrace that in your own life right now? Just say it, God is working for my good. A lot of you are familiar with this verse, probably one of the more famous ones in Romans eight. Look at it with me, Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know, look at this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Now, I don't have a lot of time, and I want to just quickly say it, but it's really important. There is a phrase in this verse that you just saw that you need to be included in, and it's the phrase that said, those who love God. And you may say, well, you know, Jeff, I, I don't hate God, so obviously I must love God. 
but I want to just state it this way, and I want you to hear me out. It's a bad idea. It's always a bad idea. You may say, well, I don't hate God, but it's a bad idea to ignore God. Well, I don't hate God, but nevertheless, it's a bad idea to resist God or to reject God. Believe it or not, please hear me when I say this. Believe it or not, you need God. I don't know who you are, your background, and you're like, maybe, you know, you've never had a lot of room in your heart for God, but you need to know that you need God more than you think you need God. And you need God working for your good. Otherwise, you're on your own. And that's never good enough. And Paul just said, God is working for your good. That's everything. God is causing everything, bad things and confusing things and massive things uh, and things that have existed long. God is working for your good. And that ought to prompt you to be incredibly optimistic. Last of all, Number eight, and this is so important. It's not last because it's least important. Last of all, we can be optimistic because nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Two more verses and we're done. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Paul said, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. You get what he's saying. There's nothing Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I wrap up this message with you today. I know some of you may be thinking, well, you know, Jeff, if you only knew my story, how could God love me? How can God love me? Because maybe in your mind right now, you remember that time. Maybe you remember that sin. Maybe you're thinking about your past and saying, how can God love me? Look at all I've done. Look at the way that I've hurt others. Look at the way that I've hurt myself. How can God love me? How can God love me when I said that I would not do it, but I went ahead and I did it anyhow? How can God love me? And I admit to you, it is difficult to understand just how incredible God's love is. God's love, the Bible says, it is totally unconditional. So different from human love. A lot of times in the context of human love, it's like, you know, I'll love you if you love me. If you demonstrate your love for me, then I'm going to love you. That's human. That's in the context of human love. But God's love so far supersedes human love because God's love is outrageous and his love is unconditional. And I've got news for you today. You can't outrun God's love. And nothing can separate you from God's love. Maybe you are already a Christian and you're just saying, but Jeff, I have disappointed God so many times before. I have disappointed God. Can I just say this to you? Join the crowd. Join the crowd. We have all disappointed God again and again. You have. I've disappointed God. But it doesn't remove us from the love of God. And maybe you're watching right now and you're not yet a Christian and yet you've hung with us this long all the way to the end. I want to encourage you, if you're not yet a Christian, to receive the love of the God that created you, to receive the love that God has for you. It's outrageous. It's unconditional. Would you, if you're not yet a Christian, would you just say, God, I don't even understand it all, but I want to receive your love and I want to receive your grace and I want to receive your forgiveness. Listen, friends. I know that you and I are currently living in a crazy world. But I want to remind you that God is in control. And we've just seen from Romans chapter 8, eight reasons why we can be optimistic. Would you join me in this prayer? 
Would you ask God, if you're not yet a Christian, come into your life? Would you receive God's love, His grace, His forgiveness? Allow God to cause you to become a brand new person in Him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this day. And thank you for your word. We have seen eight reasons, and there's more, but we have seen eight reasons out of Romans chapter 8 why we can be optimistic. I pray, God, that every person would just just know that that you're the God that is working powerfully on their behalf. You're for them. You want to help them. And everything that you said in your word is true. And I just pray for Christians that just feel like, how can God love me when I've done so much wrong, when I've disappointed God so many times? God, help them to know that your love is real and help them to receive it. Lord, help them to forgive themselves just as you have forgiven them. And then those, God, that are not yet Christians but are praying to receive you right now, that they would just say, Jesus, I receive your love. Jesus, I receive your grace. And Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Come into my life. Make me a brand new person. And with your help, I will live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to join us next week for part three of Up how to stay up when things are down. I love you, everybody. See you next week.